Two weeks ago, I talked about the table of the Lord, and here is the beautiful thing about the table of the Lord. We don't own it, so we don't get to control it. We don't get to decide who comes to it and who doesn't come to it. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ welcomed even the one who would betray him to partake of the juice of the wine and the bread at the table on that night. So one of the things that we understand as United Methodists is we can put all the rules we want on the table of the Lord and it doesn't matter because we are not the host of the table. The bread. Last week we talked about the bread. And we talked about the fact that in the Bible there are three different words for bread and Christ is going to use all of them. He's going to talk about bread that is still out in the field, the grain. That's called lechem in Hebrew and you'll find that time and time again through the book of Genesis. There is the bread that is going to be referred to by Christ in the book of Exodus. We call it matzah. It's when we've taken the grain out of the field, but we haven't given it time yet to rise. And so it's that flat, unleavened bread of our lives. And then there's the bread that Christ is going to refer to when he talks about his own body. And when he talks about his own body, he's not talking about the grain of the field. He's not talking about the matzah of the unleavened nature. He's talking about the artos, or the fully leavened loaf, that which we partake of in Holy Communion. And the idea, I believe, from Scripture is that Christ is all three. He is that in our lives that is planted he is that in our lives that has not yet grown to its fullness and he is that in our lives which is fully baked it's risen and it's complete and so when Jesus says I am the bread of life it means he is the beginning of our faith he is the growing of our faith and he is the fulfillment of our faith and then today I want to add to the table and the bread, the final element of our Holy Communion. As I talked about baptism, I, I have sought the last three weeks to kind of clarify what communion is to us uh, as United Methodists. And today we talk about the juice. We talk about uh, the wine. We talk about the water. Because we remember... That scripture is full, Genesis, Exodus, throughout the entire Old Testament, the nature of water. We remember that it was water that was on the face of the earth. And it says that God parted those waters and he made dry ground. But he made dry ground in the midst of water. And we know, all we have to do is look at our, our world right now, and we know that we are dominated by water. So much of it is salt water. So much of it is the waters of the ocean that, that erodes the shoreline that's always earth and, and water are in a battle with each other in this world. 
Even if that earth has been solidified into rock, we watch as over centuries water will erode and wear away the, the, even the rocks of the mountains. And so water is that sign, and it becomes very meaningful to us at the Lord's table when Jesus performs his first miracle. And I want to remind you of that miracle today. In John, the second chapter, Jesus is at a wedding And they are serving wine at the wedding. And they've run out of wine. And Jesus' mother comes to him. And between an exchange uh, in John 2, the mother, Mary, says to the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get water from these ceremonial bowls. It was made... For washing. It's what people would have used as they came into the house to wash the feet of people. This is not drinking water. They didn't have drinking water. And Jesus says, I want you to take that and fill all of these cisterns. And then he turned it into wine. That's what it says for the first miracle that Jesus does. He took water and he made it the element that he is going to use at the final table where he will sit with his disciples and he will say, this is my blood. We've got the table, we've got the bread, the body, and we've got the wine, the blood of Christ. This isn't something new. They have been using wine to represent the blood of the Passover lamb since the time of the Exodus. But this is something new. And this takes us to the the John 14 passage. I've put a little bit of it in your your, uh, bulletin today, if you picked up a bulletin. This leads us to the John 14 passage where Jesus has had a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. Now, we know the nature of wells. Wells don't give us water. You understand what I mean by that? Wells don't give us water. Wells hold the water that we are going to retrieve. The water is in the ground. What we do is we dig a well. That's what they did. That's what we do. If we want water, at least the water I grew up with, you dig a well somewhere on your property, or you tap into city water. But where do cities get their water? (laughs) We get it from a water table. We don't make water. We just don't do it. Wells are there for a singular purpose, and that is it concentrates a protected area where we can put a bucket or a pump or something down in there, and we can draw that water up out of the ground. It's what a well is. And Jesus is at a well, and a woman comes to the well to, for the city, get water to take back up. And we know all the conversations. This woman has, has been married multiple times. She's a Samaritan. There's nothing that, that Scripture sh- says is necessarily this woman is on top of the world. She's struggling in life. And Jesus says to her, will you give me a drink from the well? And she's saying, why would you ask me? You're Jewish. I'm a Samaritan. You're a man. I'm a woman. Why would you be asking me this? 
And Jesus' response to her is amazing. If you knew who I was, beyond Jew, beyond I'm a man, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me to give you water. And now she gets a little snippy with him and she says, yeah, right, I'm going to ask you for water. You don't even have a bucket. How would you give me water? And then we get this exchange between this woman and Jesus where he says, I'm the water. And so now we get to what this idea of water, wine, Jesus, his blood at the Last Supper, what does all of this mean as it comes together? Well, it's all in the end of his, and in my opinion, it's all in the end of this statement that he makes to this woman in the fourth, uh, the fourth chapter of John, the 14th verse. Whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. And so he's going to pick up the cup and he says at the Last Supper, my blood which is given for you, this is the water. That's the water that they drink. It is wine. That is the way that they drink water. They don't drink water from wells. Their animals drink water from wells. They drink wine. Whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him, listen to this, will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What is the idea behind charting this journey of water from that Genesis idea of water? By the way, it's the same word all the way through the Bible, mayim. It's the same word for water. It doesn't change anywhere. What is it that we chart water that is the essence of creation, we use it for baptism, and now we're going to use that same sign, that same thing that draws us into relationship with Christ as the juice or the blood of Christ that happens um, in in salvation in, in our lives. I think the key is in what Jesus says to this woman. This water becomes the well. Listen to that. It becomes the well in you. Do you know, I believe that we spend a whole lot of our lives as consumers. You know what I mean by that? We spend a whole lot of our lives buying stuff for ourselves, getting stuff for ourselves, using stuff for ourselves. We spend a whole lot, and the younger we are, the more we do it. The older we get, the less we do it. The older we get, the less important our birthdays become, and the more important the birthdays of our children and our grandchildren become. The older we get, the less concerned we are about what we eat, and more concerned about the other people in our lives, and do they have enough to eat. But let's be honest, we all have to go through those stages. And I don't think it's any different with our faith. When we are young in Christ, we are consumers of faith. Whether it's the music of worship, and when we're young, or or when we are consuming, it's all about what do I want, what do I need. 
If it's about what the preacher is preaching, am I being fed? Don't know how many people I've lost from churches in my 30 plus years of ministry that have come up to me and said, Tim, I just can't be a part of your church anymore because you're just not feeding me. Well, I didn't really understand that every Sunday it was my job to make sure that you had enough to eat. I didn't understand it was my job to make sure you were spiritually filled every week. I thought you had some responsibility with that. I thought it was my job to make sure that the food that I placed before you was healthy. I thought it was my job to make sure that, that the faith and the spirit that was placed. But you see, that's what happens. When we're young in our faith, we consume when we mature in our faith, listen to what Jesus said here. If you drink this water, you will become a well. The well isn't the thing that makes the water. though. The well is the thing that allows other people to access the water. So your lives, my life, and my heart, what we become in communion, brothers and sisters, this is where the church gets it wrong. Too many times. Because we think that when we come to this table, what we're doing is we are consuming God for us. And so we get, we get for my Catholic brothers and sisters, forgive me, this is just a place that we disagree, Okay. When you come to the table for the Mass in the Catholic Church, the idea is you are consuming the body of Christ, and that is salvation. Communion is not about you consuming. At least that's not what Jesus said to this woman on this day. What he said to this woman on this day is, if you drink this water, me... It's the same water that Jesus is going to say is his blood at that last supper. And what he says to this woman on that day is, here's what you need to understand. If you will drink of me, you will become the well. I will be a part of your... What is happening at communion with the juice? We literally are sharing in what Christ has done... And if you follow the story of the Samaritan woman to the end, what she does is she goes back to her village and she brings the village to Christ. And the village believes in Christ. Can I tell you what I believe communion is all about? What the Methodist Church celebrates? Why we don't claim the table of the Lord for our own? Why we don't? Decide who and who doesn't get to come to it. It's open to everybody. It's because we see the body and the blood of Christ. Signs that we understand very well in our world. As not that which is going to feed us for today. But that which will dwell within us. Live within us. That others might come to know Christ through our lives. So, this is the question of communion. Do you come to communion once a month because you are here to consume for yourself Christ? Or do you come to communion so that through communion you might produce and your lives might be that which draw other people to Christ?
That's exactly what Jesus said to the woman. If you drink from this well, you will never be thirsty. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. You will never be thirsty. And you will draw other people to that well. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he picked up the bread. He lifted it to God and he gave thanks for it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Artos. The fully leavened, the fully living, uh, leavened, risen loaf. The fulfillment and the completeness of what God does in our lives. He says, eat and remember what I am doing for you. He lifted the cup that had wine in it. He lifted it to God and he gave thanks and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Drink this. It's the water of life. And as often as you do, remember what I'm doing for you. And as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, celebrate what I am doing. Heavenly Father, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessing upon this bread and this juice today. Make it for us the body and blood of you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not because, Lord, we believe that we are physically consuming your body and blood, but, Lord, they are signs. They are signs of the presence of your Holy Spirit that will come and take up residence in our hearts. That, Lord, this week and this month as we live our lives, People might come to know you because you are living in our hearts and we are the well through which they can come to know you. We pray these things in your name and amen. Joy, would you come help me this morning? Can you? Oh, no, you got a baby. Deanne, you're on. This is the way we're going to do this. The ushers are going to release. And if you would, let's release from this back corner. And the way I'd like you to do this today, we're going to, we, we're going to try to get back to our normal patterns as much as we can. If this works, we'll do this again next month. Uh, release them. If you'll come up around this way, row by row, okay? And so just in the back, I know. But bring them up and then try to keep two to three feet between your family and the family in front of you. Okay, I think we can do this. Social distancing from each other. Come before me in family units. I will give you bread and I will take it out of the basket and I will hand it to you. So you're not going to reach into the basket and take it. Go and Deanne will pick up a cup and hand it to you. Now you can do one of two things with that. This bread is the Hawaiian bread. It's cut. So you could take it and you could, as we do, dip it in your own cup of juice. Nobody has been in your cup of juice before you. Okay? You can do that and take it by intention. Or you can just eat the piece of bread and drink the cup. You can do it either way that you want to do it. If you want gluten-free, we're not going to be handing those out. But we have the gluten-free in the middle of the table. And we have the little cups. If you have your little cup and you would rather take communion by your little cup, 
then uh, you can bring it forward and I can, I can do it with you up here. Or you can just, as people are taking it, the body and blood of Christ given for you. Take it where you are seated, okay? So you don't have to come up. You don't have to get in the line. If you do, keep some feet between you and the family unit in front of you. Come here, and I think we can do this, okay? If the ushers will begin to release. Mm -hmm.